Hi, it's Michael Kerr here presenting Small Business Banter. A healthy micro and small business sector means a successful economy and a more vibrant society. Small Business Banter is about helping regional business owners better prepare for current challenges, but also for the next stage of business success. I'm Michael Kerr, founder of Kerr Capital, advisors to business owners. Each week, I interview a fellow small business owner or an expert, and they share their stories, their lived experiences, the wins and the losses, and their best advice to help you, the listener, get the most you can from your own business. Small Business Banter is brought to you from the studios of 104.7 Gippsland FM and is heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. And thanks also to Kerr Capital, supporters of the show. Today is the second part of my interview with Yasmin Grigolinas. She's the founder of Seconomy, which you might otherwise know as the world's biggest garage sale. If you missed out on the first part, played out on the radio, you can you can catch that on the Small Business Banter podcast. But today, Yaz continues to talk in her unmistakable, open and honest way about the founder's journey that she went on to, to start this business and grow this business process of raising capital and she talks about it from a very personal level and 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 you know the the immense sacrifices she made and hard decisions she had to to make so we also get uh, this week to the spark for the office work relationship that's so foundational now for economy we go through the steps in forming that very uh, key relationship there have been many sacrifices I've missed weddings I've missed funerals I've missed family events. I've missed holidays. I've missed kids' moments that mattered. And as the founder of the business and the person that has had to hold it all together, it, it can destroy people. Now, I'm really fortunate that I have an amazing network of people around me and that I have good self-awareness and that I do take time to reflect. So I'm, I don't get it right always. And there are very, there are moments along the way where I, if I was watching myself, I would be utterly ashamed of some of the decisions I had to make. But I don't live in regret because it just carries you backwards, not forwards. So for me, I'm like, again, transition through it. Transition goes back to my triathlon days, right? When you win and you win or lose the triathlon in the transitions, not how fast you run, but how many minutes can you make up in T1 and T2? Right. In the so, pit stop. Is so it? With, yeah. with that in mind, I think. Um, you know, there's there's a few things that have mattered to me, like reading Who Moved My Cheese, and that taught me about change and my personality, and um, accepting the things you can't control should not then spin you out of control, because if you're spinning out of control, you're not moving forward, and so it can come across harsh, but it's not. It's just a very honed skill now that I have and I'm comfortable to say it's a skill I have Um, but it's taken me a lot of training to get to this point Um, and I love it's the first thing I said when we started to raise capital which came on the back of the partnership with Officeworks which I do want to touch on with you. uh, We definitely want to touch on that. I don't want to be the CEO of this business moving forward that is not my superpower. Yeah. 
So being comfortable to say what you want, even if it's not what you think people want to hear, is a big part of being in business. Then it's hard. You've just got to have that confidence in yourself that there's only one life that you have to live and it's yours and don't try to wear a mask and say and do things that might design for for betterment of other people's lives if you're at the sacrifice of you. Yeah, you'd get, you get trapped. You. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, so that that ability though to step out cuz small business mm. is furious and 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 it's it's kind of mm. everyone it's about the hustle and that's that's all great, but that if you're conscious and aware that's what you want to do. And some people are wired to be like that and some I've met a lot of owners over the years who after a period of time, get to a point they go, "This is good enough for me," and yes. and I, I, you know that's 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 I think it's almost the high point. But um, not is. knowing what's good enough is is a bit of a bit of a battle. But so so you you got to this point, highly self aware, believed passionately in where this thing could go, realized maybe that's not the best use of my time. So is that, is that when you started to think, and I don't want to call it an exit, but you started to think about bringing in additional skills, capital, networks, mm. whatever, to, 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 so that this world's biggest garage sale kind of fulfilled its real potential. So is that, were you yeah. looking for a partner? Can you talk about how that came about? Yeah, it's a good point because it was, it was three years ago, maybe three and a half years ago, pre-COVID, that um, I went to the World Circular Economy Forum again to see what was happening globally. And I met someone over there from Officeworks, of course, an Australian company. And we, we connected and had some conversations around some of their challenges. And I said, you know, we do work like this. And they, we came back and we connected with their team and we started to hypothesise that maybe World's Biggest Garage Sale could support a pilot project with Officeworks on understanding how we can take some of the imperfect items that they didn't want to send to landfill and how we could possibly repair, repurpose, replenish, remodel and, and really effectively resource recover these items. And if we did this, what was the data what could we save? What could we sell? Was it was were we going to make money? Did it create jobs? Like there was this beautiful collision of interest where they didn't know if it was going to work. We didn't know if it was going to work, but it was a relationship instantly at the beginning built on trust and transparency. We didn't talk about their brand. We didn't tell people that you know, office works were sending this stuff to landfill. They didn't want to. They weren't sending it. They were wanting to bypass landfill and do something good with it. So we held their brand at the heart and they held our brand at the heart. And when I knew their values and I did look at their values as a company because I thought to myself, if we work with them today, is this a good relationship for the future? Do I want world's biggest garage sale associated with Officeworks? And, of course, I mean, that sounds really arrogant, doesn't it? No, 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 it, it doesn't. <laughs> this tiny little company. <laughs> no, but it, but it, and all I wanted to do is protect our brand. <laughs> I mean, yes, I'm in NBA, get lawyers involved. To you. I don't know about you, but I always got told my pop was amazing. He was a bank manager. He was at Yasmin dress for the job you want, not the job you have. <laughs> and so Pop kind of taught me to always believe in any, you could do anything. And he's such a champion of us grandkids. And um, so I just thought to myself, well, 
do I want to work with Officeworks? And I looked at their shareholding, you know, uh, um, reports. I looked at them, talked about people and planet prosperity. They were doing great work in the sustainability space. It wasn't greenwashing. So I knew that they were genuine. They knew we were genuine. We had nothing to hide. And we started doing a pilot project. We took 40 pallets as a pilot um, and we... I call it surprise chain. So we took surprise chain and turned it into supply chain. That was the theory. And so we had, oh, my God, it was so frustrating, <laughs> two people manually recording all this product back in 2019 and pens and plastic and filing cabinets and all this stuff. We had no idea really what what how we were going to build out a product that could scale. But we just took product in, repaired it, repurposed it, resold it at a one-day event we called Retail Rescue. Now, that event, here's, here's the thing. In business, timing is everything. So when you have to make a decision, make it fast, back yourself and move. Because had I not made a quick decision to have this event on a certain date in March 2020, the weekend yeah, before COVID shut the world down, like literally if we had made that one weekend later, we would not be a business today. Sliding we would doors, have shut yeah. By now, so we had fifteen hundred customers shop at that event, and it was kind of solemn. We'd done events before; we knew how to get thousands of people there. But it was a very calm customer coming through, knowing that this could actually be the last time we're allowed out of our houses for a while. So we sold everything. Ninety-eight percent of the product was diverted from landfill, and then COVID shut everything down. No more events. We yeah. hypothesized we could take keep taking this surprise chain pallets and do a monthly garage sale or retail rescue. But of course, we couldn't. So I was like, holy moly, we've got some good data. Let's use the data to keep the relationship moving forward. And so we just kept the relationship moving forward and had to go digital. So we went digital with our sales. And through COVID, lots of people needed chairs and desks. And it was the right. product that we had. <clears throat> so it kind of, again, timing is everything, but also working with the right partner is everything yeah, as well. It was probably like a, a little bit of it's meant to be. That, that's extraordinary timing. Yeah. But also, you know, the way you went about, you, you know, you, you held strongly to your your brand values and, and will I partner with this big organisation? It's it's not it's not being it's it's not arrogant. It's just you care about no. what you're doing, and and somebody yeah. else cares. Goes they care, they, you know. Yeah. You could invest in that. So yeah. as a like as a partnership, it sounded like it started with, which I think is an excellent way to do anything. Let's let's just try something, <laughs> measure yeah. it before. You know, making grandiose plans to you know to do whatever, um, and, and contracting parties to do certain things. It's like let's le- learn to work exactly. together. Yeah. It was, it was what I call I have a little formula um, that I created along the way. It wasn't at this point, but it came along as as a summary of how we married effectively. And I call it agility, which is us, plus stability, which is them, equals capability which is what we produced. So we were effectively their innovation company and they were our supplier and there's this beautiful harmonious relationship where what we were doing was bringing value to them and what they were doing was bringing value to us and providing communication and, again, trust and aligned values were completely, authentically always apparent um, it was in a three-year beautiful relationship where they just kept giving us experiments and opportunities and we kept saying yes. Some failed, some scaled, and we just 
executed. We turned our staff from a staff of five or six at the time into over 35 people, all funded from our revenue growth. So we were able to um, generate, you know, over a million dollars in the year that COVID hit of um, new customer opportunities for our little tiny Brisbane social enterprise because we'd had a capital raise open, but we had to shut it down at the time because of COVID. And so I remember getting a little bit of capital in from some investors at the time and I had to ring them and say, um, we're not going to do what we said we would do with that money you gave us and I can't really give it back to you. So I don't know what's going to happen for the next year. And they each said to me, three investors it was, and they each said, just don't die. We invested in you. We trust you. Just keep the business alive. Right. Just we'll do do what it takes. And so we did. The team and I, we rallied. We, we you know, what do they call it? Pivoted. We didn't really pivot. We just started to do things sooner than we thought we would digitally. And we started selling products on Gumtree and Facebook Marketplace where all the people were buying products because we couldn't get them to our warehouse because we couldn't open. And so, you were really hustling. Uh, you probably yeah. felt a strong sense of, you know, that, that's like, again, good capital that, that yeah. you can get demanding or uh, mm. inappropriate capital. But they said, we, 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 we really want you to do what you do best. Uh, yeah. Just hang in there. And they trusted me. I think that if you feel that trust, I say it a lot, but trust is really important to me and integrity. They're really strong values. I definitely get up from my pop. But um, I think that um, never compromising those things it, it has been constant as a foundation of my resolve as a founder but also the people that I work with. And and so it was like if you fast forward to the three to or three and a half year relationship with Officeworks and they kept saying to me, because COVID kind of settled down and we were having people come into our warehouse again, we we're having little pop-up events and they said, when are you going to be in Melbourne and Sydney? Like when can you be interstate? And I said, look, we're, we're ready to raise capital now. We had driven growth ourselves, built our own hockey stick to show COVID hit and our whole company was decimated. But look at what we did. We grew massively, like 500% growth. It was massive. We had enough validation and data to go and pull a pitch deck together. And I started pitching people that I wanted to invest. I started, I wanted to raise $3 million and I started to get yeses. And then Officeworks said, can you send us your deck? And I thought, I was so embarrassed. I tell them this story. <laughs> I thought, oh, my God, I don't know. If I, yes, I mean, of course I can. But And I said to Ryan at the time, I said, Ryan, I need to be really transparent with you. I have this slide in my pitch deck that says we're going to get West Farmers <laughs> because <laughs> we have Officeworks. <laughs> and so I had this little journey <laughs> saying yeah. we have Officeworks, we're going to get Kmart and Target catch and Bunnings, Bunnings are bigger than all of them put together. And I, thought, I said to him, I just need to be really transparent that there's a West mm. Farmers logo there. I hope you don't mind. Because I didn't know who he was going to send the deck to yeah. and I was a bit nervous. But then he said, no, no, send it through as is. So I sent it. Next minute I'm pitching to Sarah, their managing director, Sarah Hunter, and her whole C-suite team via a Teams call because none of us could travel. Um, and I was with my with two representatives from my board. I was pitching Soconomy and the vision of world's biggest garage sale evolving to Soconomy, which was a brand I created four years ago. I was pitching this to the Officeworks, um, you know, leaders and 
and they were completely aligned with our vision and you, keen to invest. But you had you had a, you'd had a fair bit of time with in inverted commas the, the partner by that stage, right? You'd yes. done you know so yes. and so there's a confidence on both ends that. Um, we, we can do this. I was, I was interested, not to get away from that, but uh, interested, you know, this idea of trust. Um, mm. how, how do you go, like, it's so it's so critical, we all talk about it, but do you, do mm. you have any particular way of, of establishing whether, do you test it, do you poke and prod a bit to, to yeah, really? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. That's a really good I probably am the type of person that trusts first and then you burn me and then you're dead to me kind of thing. Yeah. Not quite, no, no. But, but probably along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> and, we're, and that can hurt. That really does hurt because yeah. you, you give trust straight away. Um, and I can't help but be anything but authentic. So my facial expressions say what I'm thinking even if my mouth says something else. And I used to worry that that was a weakness, but I actually it helped me own more of who I am so that if I don't agree with something, I don't necessarily need to use my words. It helps me pause and reflect because, you know, slowing down to speed up is important. Um, and so it helps me... Um, it helps me listen. I listen a lot and I learn a lot and I hear, do people do what... They say they're going to do. That goes a long way to building trust. So, yeah, you know, I'm going to reply record. to your email. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to cook your dinner. I'm going to come and see you. I'm going to come and volunteer. I'm going to come and write that article. Like whatever it might be, if someone does what they say they're going to do, and I'm, no one's perfect, I drop the ball. We all do. But most of the time I would believe that, of all the people that have ever worked with me or known me, they would tell you that I do what I say I'm going to do. Yeah. And, like, I, I, and so that was easy for me to yeah. establish that trust. Then I saw the same reflect back from them. Mm. So it was easy to just go, well, this is good. Plus we don't wear masks. <laughs> if it's awful, we talk about it. If it's sucked, we yeah. own it. <clears throat> if it. If it's ugly, we are not running from the realities of the reality. And so... When you've got nothing to hide, it's really easy to have a strong bond of trust. Yeah, and and I, I think over, if you kind of eye these key partnerships, relationships over the longer term, even within that period, you you do want to factor in a little bit of uh, a few drop catches here and there because it's just no one's yes. perfect forever. Letting letting go. Talk about how you you kind of rationalised and 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 achieved that because you are still pivotal in getting this investment mm. in and mm. this partnership. So at what point did you let go and did you, did you have regrets? Did you, I know you don't because you told me you don't, no. but. No, definitely not. No. Um, look, I think, would I, did I do it perfectly? Far out, no. And, and I probably, um, you know, I didn't have a day off for five years at least right. at all. And so seven days a week, 15 to 20 hours a day, sometimes sleeping at the office, I don't promote any of that, but it's just how I work. I It works for me. That's my personality. But I definitely took a break after the raise and I knew even going into the raise probably a year prior, I knew that I was not going to be the right CEO for this business to go forward. Now, that doesn't mean I'm resigning from the company, walking away and going, yep, I'm done because this is not, we're not 
we're not at success yet. Like we've done some good things, but we're not where we know we can be. We're, we're not changing the world far and wide enough yet. But um, I think being honest and talking about it early sets the scene so that it's not a shock when the time comes to actually have to step aside. Now, probably stepped aside um, too much and there's, but what it helped me do is establish where I could bring and can bring value. Now, um, you know, I am very direct and extremely um, driven and that can be very difficult to work with. I There's a book called Multipliers. Um, Glenn Richards has read it and asked me once if I had read it and I read it decades ago. Liz Wiseman's the author. And they talk about accidental diminishes. I am absolutely at times in my career as a leader an accidental diminisher. I don't mean to be. I am. I treat myself with the antidote to not be an accidental diminisher, but it basically means that people can feel very diminished in my leadership because I'm so just no limits and it can be confronting, intense, um, bullish and brash, but never ever is it with any intention of trying to diminish people. I actually see that people are stronger than they believe that they are and I can see through their mask, I see their strength and I just want to rip it out of them and get it on the trajectory of growth. Mm. That is absolutely a big part of people like me that know that that a lot of us are in cruise control or neutral and not really pushing ourselves to our boundaries. And I just want people to push to their boundaries because it's so much fun out in the boundary. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, it's... um. It's a for founders who are driven like you and, and owners and and others. There are people that are driven in all sorts of roles in in society. So, but yeah, that to be able to kind of accept that people are going to operate differently and contribute in different mm. quantities of energy and time and. But um, yeah, that's a that's a just an ongoing challenge to to be able to lead through that. It is, so, and and letting go. The biggest thing is I say that don't be a B grade version of me, be an A grade version of you. And so, as the founder, my job is to hire people that are not like me, who have skills I don't have, so that they are bringing their A game to areas where I'm B, C, D, or E, or even Z. Um, and I've got plenty of Z game. Um, and so, for me, that's the real tricky thing is is ensuring values alignment and and that completion of skill, that is the biggest challenge, is finding the right people with the right values, the desirability for circularity and social enterprise and impact and balancing all of these multiple conflicting priorities while bringing their business acumen and having skills in areas where I have massive gaps. So, you know, letting go has actually been the best thing I've ever done because the business won't ever grow with me in the way. And I'm really comfortable with that and have talked about it for years, said it long before any capital raise. And I would encourage other business owners to do the same. Like go and reflect and say, like, what are you best at? And don't, and I don't know, like this is a bit controversial, but if I went and just spent all my time on my weaknesses, my weaknesses might become mediocre. But why would I just go? Why wouldn't I just go yep. and acknowledge that they are my weaknesses? And it's not that I want to dismiss them; they are just things I'm not great at. 
I'm aware of them. I own them, but I'm going to focus on the areas where I'm really strong because that closes gaps for people who don't have strengths in those areas the same way their strengths close my gaps. So it's more about don't beat yourself up for all the things you suck at because we all mm. suck at a lot of things. Well, and, but that, that takes that self-awareness, right? That you talk about to be able to to put it into context and say, well, look, you know, I could spend hours on like if you put in a sporting analogy. I mean, there's things, mm. right? You can if if in your triathlon your bike leg wasn't the wasn't the best leg, yeah. and you you only get a small increase, whatever. I want to just get your take on what you would say to owners right now who are at a point where they're they're questioning, you know, what do I what do I do next? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what, what's your advice to them to help them kind of figure out, do mm-hmm. I want to, I, do I, do I want to grow? Do I, am I happy where mm-hmm. I am? Um, am I going to leave something on the table and, and reflect badly in a few years time that I didn't yeah. quite take the opportunity? Look, I think if I can share a story, I, I'm recently separated from a very long-term marriage and partner, 25 years we were together. And, and I have immense respect for him and we both have respect for each other. Um, and so it's very amicable. But, you know, he dropped the divorce decision at pre-raise at a time that's probably not the greatest timing. Unfortunately, that's where we're going to have to leave the interview with Yaz for, from Seconomy for today. I'm sure you get a very strong sense of the immense personal effort that she she put in and, in fact, continues to put in. It's all incredibly inspiring. And in the third and final part of this discussion, which is coming up soon, Yaz starts to talk about getting to the crossroads, which I'm sure many founders and business owners have, have been at before. What it boiled down to was a choice between you know, how and, and, and did she want to keep the startup going or frankly, go get a job. So there's lots of deep thinking and reflection involved. And next week, as well as that, she's going to share some incredibly rich learning for other business builders out there. So that is all for today's episode of Small Business Banter. I continue to be inspired bringing you small business experts and other small business owners and hearing their stories. If you want to listen to any past episode, jump onto your podcast platform of choice and search Small Business Banter. There you will find a diverse and fascinating collection of small business owners and experts openly discussing and sharing their experiences. For any of the links, resources, or information we've talked about on the show today, or to contact me, please head over to smallbusinessbanter.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And it would be great to have you tune in the same time next week for another episode of Small Business Banter.